Broadcasting live from the ESPN 690 and Jordan Levine Studios. This is Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 with Brent Martineau and Austin Lane. Certainly have my failures along the journey, but for the most part, you know, I, I, I can't wait. That's the part of the game that I love is to be able to adapt to the NFL player. And we've had no shortage of them uh, the last 12 years or wherever it's been. But it is. You're talking about grown grown men. You're talking about this is a business. You have a job to do. And uh, I always looked at the college environment as an opportunity to, you know, not that we're not going to do it in the NFL, but you're dealing with 17, 18, 19-year-olds that are leaving home for the first time. And you're also dealing with an academic environment. So just a much different environment. However, between white lines, I don't see a lot of difference. That is Zervin Meyer at his introductory news conference in Jacksonville as the Jaguars head coach. Brent Martineau here at Urban Meyer's Pint House in Dublin, Ohio, just outside of Columbus. A lot of Ohio State fans here, I'm sure, because for a Friday afternoon, just opened at 3 o'clock, got a nice crowd here at the Pint House. And I heard during game days, pre-pandemic, of course, this place is shoulder-to-shoulder packed. Uh, so hopefully we can get back to that. Uh, in the fall. They love their Buckeyes here in Columbus, Ohio, and uh, I think we have a pretty good contingent and a big contingent of Buckeye fans down in Florida as well, northeast Florida, that is, in the Jacksonville area. Uh, Buckeyes everywhere across the country. Austin Lane back in the Action Sports Jacks studios, and how about this from Joey Bosa, a quote on Urban Meyer adjusting to the NFL. This in Mike DiRocco's article from ESP. Com. Quote, I think Coach Meyer's success in the NFL really depends on whether or not he will be able to get the locker room to buy into what he's coaching. That's what he did at Ohio State. He brought in a culture of excellence, and we either had to buy in or we weren't going to play. I think it really depends on that because what he's bringing is great. It'll be successful if you have a team of players that put in a lot of effort and believe in the system and believe in the culture. And, you know, I think that's kind of the secret ingredient of any business, uh, any sports franchise. you got to buy in. And uh, will the Jaguars buy into Urban Meyer? Uh, Well, hopefully, because that could be a very successful thing in Jacksonville. Let's bring in Dave Holmes from WBNS right now here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Dave was kind enough to join us a few weeks back when there were rumblings about Urban Meyer, and it was time to get hot that he could end up in Jacksonville. Well, it landed there, Dave. Hope you're doing well, man. Thanks for joining us. Uh, What's the reaction in Columbus overall that you've heard as Urban Meyer is now the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars? You know, I think people have already adopted the Jaguars as their third franchise now after the Browns and Bengals. I, I think it's been mostly positive, which you never know, because the best thing about Ohio State football is the fan base, and the worst thing about Ohio State football is the fan base. And you, you never really know, because they are such a passionate group. They love them so much, and they get ownership over stuff. And I wasn't sure how they would react, because Urban left. Obviously, he had the health issues. There was also friction there with the university. We can acknowledge that. So he left, though, and I, I think people wanted him to keep coaching. Now, they're in a great place with Ryan Day, and I think that's helped, too. I think if Ohio State went 7-5 and five last year, there would be a much different feel about this. But I think people are happy with what Urban did here, 83-9 and nine record, national championship, and they know he loves Ohio. And they're happy with the succession plan he put in place with Ryan Day. And I think because of that, they feel like their program's in good shape, and Urban has been an advocate in his couple years off here, even the stuff he's done with Fox. He's been very pro-Ohio State. Silly little things like not even saying Michigan. He refers to them as the Wolverines on Fox. He's done a lot of stuff to let people here know that he is still an Ohio guy. So the reaction has been very positive, actually. I've been kind of proud of the fan base because I thought this could go either way. I think had he returned to college, 
it would have been a totally different story. But I think fans seem to be very supportive of them, and I'm, I'm glad for that. They should. Dave, when we talk about Urban Meyer, obviously there is the, the culture of winning. And in order to have that culture of winning, it, it's the hard work, right? It's holding guys accountable. And sometimes if guys need to be yelled at, uh, you got to, you know, y- yell at them to say the least. I mean, we've seen Urban Meyer on the sidelines, you know, sometimes yell at his players. And a lot of coaches do that. The question is, though, so do you think, like, from – and take the, the off-the-field stuff in terms of building the culture, you know, in terms of the weight room and all that stuff. Like, take that off the field. I'm talking about the on-the-field demeanor right now of Urban Meyer. Do you think he has to kind of change it up a little bit, or can he get by with how he ran practice at Ohio State? Can he get by with how he coached guys on the sidelines during a game, or does he have to change his demeanor a little bit to adapt to the NFL athlete? I think he has to change it a little bit. He is very intense. And Urban, maybe he doesn't demand perfection, but he demands excellence with, a, with a, the goal of perfection. He is a very perfectionist guy. He demands the best out of his players. He is very intense. I, I think that has to change a little bit, but I think it's going to change. If you listen to him at the news conference when he was introduced by the Jaguars, he basically implied that, that he cannot keep being the same guy he is with the health issues and he's getting older. And I think he understands that he has to adapt that a little bit. And in college, it's much easier to get a hold of a 17- or an 18-year-old, and you hold the keys to everything. Think about it. I mean, think about the number of players Urban Meyer put in the NFL. And the way to get to the NFL is to get on that field. So if this guy is the gatekeeper for my NFL future, I have to listen to him. In the NFL, when you have guaranteed money and you're making millions of dollars, that's different. The threat of playing time, sure, you do want to play. Of course, they're competitors. But the ultimate goal, you've already made it. So I do think there's a different mentality, but it sounds like he's going to try to adjust that at least a little bit. I don't think Urban can physically be the guy he was. I mean, I think he changed things from Florida to Ohio State, and I think he's smart enough to realize he has to change at least a little bit this time around, too. Dave Holmes from WBNS uh, right here in Columbus joining us on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 as we're live from Jacksonville to Dublin, Ohio at Urban Meyer's Pint House. And... You know, it's really an interesting dynamic. You just said it. He said in the introductory press conference, hey, I'm not going to be running around like a nut. That was the quote. I'm not going to run around like a nut on the practice field. And, again, uh, can he do that, right? It's easier said than done, perhaps, because it's in his blood. He's an intense guy, and it's worked for him. So how will he be at delegating and, and putting these NFL, this NFL staff around him, I think, is something to be seen, and, and we'll find out along the way from Urban Meyer. You brought up Ryan Day and the success of Ohio State. I think that is the big difference. I was thinking about this last night. He feels like so much more a Buckeye than he does a Gator. I don't know if that's more recent uh, because he was there at Ohio State. I don't know if that's because he's born and bred, if you will, in Ohio. Or I just don't know because of the ending at Florida. And the big difference with the ending at Florida was the fact that it took three hires to replace the winning ways of Urban Meyer. And quite frankly, they still haven't replaced it to that level. Do you think Ryan Day is here for the long haul uh, in Columbus? Do you think he is kind of like the next Urban Meyer, if you will, because there's already been a lot of success? And how much is he measured against Meyer with what he does for the Buckeyes? Yeah, they will be forever linked because he was Urban's guy. Urban brought him in and Urban handed the baton. So Ryan Day, I, I do think, is here for the long haul. I don't think he has any interest in leaving right now. Now, I will say this. I would not be surprised if at some point Ryan Day ends up in the NFL. I think given his age, given his experience, uh, I think 
he could definitely end up back in the league at a head co- as a head coach at some point. But I don't think that's coming for a long time. And I do think he needs to win a national championship here to get on that level. If you look at every coach here, you got to win one. I mean, Jim Trestle won his one back in 02-03, and Urban got his back in 2014-15. So you got to get one, and I think Ryan Day will at least stick around to get one. So the people are really happy with him here. He is an Urban Meyer guy in a way because they spent you know some time together when he was an offensive coordinator. But that that is such a big difference of why the fans are good with him. because Urban was born in Ashtabula. He grew up. He you know was a grad assistant at Ohio State. First head coaching job at Bowling Green up in northwest Ohio in Wood County. So he's been an Ohio guy. He breathed the rivalry unlike anyone since Woody Hayes. So I think they've accepted the fact that, yeah, we, we want Urban to go do something else. This is not Texas. It's not USC. This is something he wants to pursue. It's all the way down in Florida, and, and people have seemed to embrace it. But it's always easier to embrace him. You brought up Florida. You know, it's always easier to embrace the breakup when you have someone waiting in the wings, right? <laughs> that's, that's the way it works. It's, the easiest way to move on from a breakup is you have someone else right there. And I, I think that has helped Ohio State fans greatly. I think they call that a side piece, if I'm not mistaken. Dave, <laughs> Dave you know, it, it seems to be like a very Ohio State uh, kind of centric uh, thing we got going here. Brent's obviously in Columbus right now, and you, and you follow the team very closely. So I'd be remiss to ask, and mind you, like, Jacksonville fans don't care, but just out of curiosity for my own well-being, Justin Fields. You know, Justin Fields, he, he's had some ups and downs this past season, but finished off, I think, on a, on a pretty dang good note. Um when you talk about Justin Fields, there's speculation right now, and I'm looking at a Mel Kuyper mock draft, and I get it, Mel Kuyper's at the end-all, be-all, but he has Justin Fields right now going number seven to the Detroit Lions as a third quarterback taken. One would assume that Trevor Lawrence obviously is number one, but you see people talking about Zach Wilson now. You see Trey Lance skyrocketing up boards. What am I missing with Justin Fields right now where all of a sudden it seems to be like people are off him a little bit? Yeah, it's interesting because Justin Fields – greatest trait was his decision making and people talk about what a smart player he was and a decision maker and he didn't turn it over and then he has 35 minutes of bad football against Indiana and everyone's like well he sucks I mean it was so fast how people just got off of this Justin Fields must be a top three player bandwagon um yeah for your fans in Jacksonville yes it's going to be Trevor Lawrence even with Urban Meyer I know some delusional Buckeye fans think well he's going to bring in Justin Fields stop that that's not going to happen it'll be Trevor Lawrence but I mean, I, I believe in Justin Fields from a maturity standpoint. The, the hard part about college football and pro scouting, so often you get lumped with people that have nothing to do with you. And Justin Fields now has, I think he has a little bit of the Dwayne Haskins smell on him. Mm-hmm. And that's not fair because they're two entirely different players. I think Justin Fields is more mature than Dwayne Haskins. I think he's you know a better leader than Dwayne Haskins. So I like Fields. I think he has an underrated arm as far as accuracy down the field. He is stellar. I mean, 40 to 60 yards down the field, he throws a great, accurate deep ball. He's obviously very good with his legs, too, when he has to be. I think he's maybe being a little undervalued at this point. But that's the NFL draft. People love you, and then when they have enough time to pick you apart, they find things that they don't like about you. The NFL draft is so much more about talking yourself out of guys than talking yourself into guys. Well, and with, yeah, and with all the respect to Dwayne Haskins, I think Brett Martineau could beat Dwayne Haskins in a – 40-yard dash competition as well. And Justin Fields is a little faster. So, I mean, there is a big difference between skill sets and what they bring to the table. Yeah, for sure. Although Stephen A. Smith famously tweeted that 
Dwayne Haskins doesn't have a good arm. He's a mobile quarterback, and he got just yeah. blistered by Columbus for that because he had like As one twelve-yard run his entire final season at Ohio State. Uh, yeah, Fields is a much more complete player than Haskins. Uh, all right, let's uh, wrap up with you. Dave Holmes uh, here on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690 from WBNS here in Columbus, Ohio. And, by the way, Dave uh, does the Ryan Day Coaches Show, did the Coaches Show with Urban Meyer, so obviously familiar uh, with uh, Urban uh, up here from the Ohio State days. We've got some locals now. You talk about uh, Tyreek Johnson, Marcus Crowley. There's a Trinity Christian connection with Sean Wade as well. Uh, they've been on the roster for the Ohio State Buckeyes. But if you flip it around and you look at the Jags roster, there's a couple of Ohio State guys. Andrew Norwell would have been, I think, before your time, Dave, here in uh, Columbus. But most recently, Devon Hamilton. And the Jags draft Devon Hamilton in the third round. And I'll tell you what now. He had some good moments as a rookie before getting hurt. How much did they like Devon Hamilton around here with the Buckeyes? Yeah, it's interesting. He was so under the radar. And I think sometimes, you know, interior linemen just feels like the least sexy thing you could ever draft. They often go under the radar. But he is such a complete player. And, you know, you see it at the college level with with Hamilton. And the Buckeyes had one this year with Tommy Togiai when he missed the championship game against Alabama. You remove the guy on the interior line who's eaten up two people at once, and it's noticeable. I mean, interior linemen, you, you don't notice them until you do. <laughs> and he was such a complete player here. He really helped. I mean, at Ohio State, they breed pass rushers. Well, first off, they breed Boses, but then they also breed guys like Chase Young. And, I mean, I mean, Sam Hubbard's having a great career now in Cincinnati. They have so many good edge rushers, but that's able to happen because of guys who eat up the interior, like Devon Hamilton. And he is such a complete player. I remember thinking, why is he not getting a, a late first round, early second round grade? It blew my mind. So I think you guys got a good one in him. I, I really, really do. And I'll be curious to see how many Buckeyes urban drafts. The joke has always been, you know, up here a lot of Browns fans, that they just avoid Buckeyes like the plague, and, you know, for some reason. But I, I love to see him because urban put a staff down here that develops players like none other. I mean, that is, that is the easiest recruiting pitch at Ohio State is point to the NFL, see we've got more guys than anyone. And, yeah, he's done a great job. So I, I bet there will be more of a Buckeye pipeline. But it, it will not be Justin Fields. But there will be plenty of Buckeyes, I think, headed to Jacksonville at some point. Dave Holmes. Dave, tell everybody at Urban Meyer's Pint House uh, to watch you on TV tonight and this weekend. Tell them all hello. So I assume that 10 TV in Columbus is already on the TVs there. If not, you guys got to flip it for me. Do that much for me. Change the channel to our station. <laughs> Thanks, man. We appreciate you jumping on. Have a good weekend. Yeah, you too, guys. All right, that's Dave Holmes, uh, WBNS. Uh, I'll watch him tonight, uh, at the very least, uh, here in Columbus. I've seen a lot of Columbus TV uh, in my time. Of course, uh, Steph, uh, right from down the road in Gahanna. So uh, we spent much time up in uh, in this area. Brent Martineau, Austin Lane. You know, that's an interesting thing that he just mentioned about the Browns uh, not really taking Ohio State guys along the way. Aren't people back home in Jacksonville about done? Like, Jags fans are like, please don't take another Gator. Yeah, I mean, we, we definitely got to see how the whole C.J. Henderson uh, product's going to work out. But the, due to past history a little bit, yeah, I think people are overtaking, uh, you know, the Florida Gators, even maybe some Florida State Seminoles as well when you talk about Telvin Smith and Jalen Ramsey. 
Well, the funny thing is there could be two Gators that could be in the grasp of the Jags. Now, most likely not in the grasp is Kyle Pitts. I think everybody would say, okay, that's pretty intriguing now. Go get Kyle Pitts. There are some folks, they don't want to move up or anything, but you'd have to move up to get Pitts. I I think Kadarius Toney is an interesting one as well, uh, although I don't think that's happening. And then yesterday we talked about Marvin Wilson, obviously from the Florida State side of things, that if he falls in the draft, I think that would be very enticing for the Jaguars to, uh, to take Marvin Wilson because I think he is going to be undervalued, much like Dave was just talking about Devon Hamilton, maybe undervalued in last year's draft to slip all the way uh, to the third round. You know, we've talked about Devon Hamilton before. This defense obviously needs a lot of help up front, but aren't you almost kind of counting on Hamilton to be the guy uh, in one of those spots in the middle? Uh, yeah, I mean, he has to be one of the guys. You know, whether that's going to be from a nose technique spot, um, a three technique defensive tackle, or if they're going to go a three four, then a three four defensive end. I think that he's played in all those systems, which is nice. So he's used to playing that one gap or two gap technique. You like that a lot. You, you, you love a guy that's versatile, and Devon Hamilton is that. And you also like a guy that's got an explosive first step. Devon Hamilton, as we saw this past season, has that as well. So yes, there's a lot of intrigue. Um, you know, there, there, there's there's a lot of hope that Devon Hamilton can take that next step because, like I always say, you make your biggest transition, your biggest progress from your rookie year to your second year. So there's a lot to like about Devon Hamilton going forward. But we talk about defensive line. It's all about depth. It's all about rotating guys in and out. And to expect Devon Hamilton to hold it down by himself, I think you'd be crazy to do. Listen, I think people have talked about this before, but Dave just brought it up again, that the amount of edge rushers that Ohio State has produced with the Boses, with Chase Young, and more, it, it is pretty amazing. And he talked about the word development. Well, you played for the Jags for a few years, played in the NFL, but I think the Jags are a better example here. And obviously Joe Cullen's going to come in as a defensive coordinator. I think I've asked you this question before. But in the context of how much development does go on at the NFL level, like what's the jump guys make? If you're, are you, do you have to already be really good and then you might get incrementally better? Or is there this giant step to take for some? And then on the other side of that, have the Jags been bad at that, at developing talent overall over the last, I don't know, four to six to eight years? No, so in terms of, you know, developing the talent, listen, it all depends where you come from, right? I mean, obviously, I came from a smaller school, so it took me a little longer to develop just because I wasn't accustomed going against that, you know, day in, day out top talent of like an SEC school or if if you're in Ohio State, a Big Ten school. So there's a difference there. There is definitely a learning curve regardless of how talented you are, um, you know, at the lower levels. I always compare it to two guys, Cleo Mack, Marcus Davenport. Cleo Mack, for whatever reason, right away, like he, he took one one year to get acquainted, but then hit the ground running. Now, Marcus Davenport has contributed his fair share to the, uh, you know, the New Orleans Saints, but like it's not a Cleo Mack factor. So you're always taking that risk with those smaller school guys who don't play against top competition every single year. Marcus Davenport, of course, went to uh, University of Texas San Antonio. I think that when you talk about in terms of you know the 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 this taking the whole mental factor into play that's any that's a lot for anybody Brent you know and the physical factor that can catch up to you and you can get acquainted with that real easily but everybody learns differently and when you go through an NFL season you talk about the rookie wall 
Well, everybody usually hits that, right? So it's a lot on your plate. You're not going to school anymore. It's football, football, football. And you're coming off your last college campaign where, listen, you maybe had a month or two months to actually rest and relax before you're getting ready for the combine, your pro day, and all that stuff. So to me, that's kind of the hardest transition is getting your body acclimated and making sure that you stay healthy. Brent Martin, Austin Lane, I just put out on Twitter, and you know when sometimes you push, push – uh, uh, you know, a question out on Twitter, and you know how it's going to be answered. Well, I just did one of those. Uh, that, do the Jags do a bad job of developing players or drafting them? <laughs> yeah, that's going, I mean, to, that's going to be answered as both, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think that would be the the logical answer to say. But to be fair, like in terms of developing players, have the Jaguars done a bad job? Yeah, obviously you could definitely argue that. But I think that we talk about Josh Allen. We talk about Caleb on Chason. We talk about guys who are the best available, but are they playing at their best position? Are you asking them to play out of themselves or within themselves? And that, to me, has been the detriment to this team, especially on defense the past couple seasons, is that you have guys playing out of position and you're asking guys to do things that are young and are not accustomed to doing those type of things. The Super Bowl lull is happening, right? I mean, it's been kind of a week without football, thankfully, for the Deshaun Watson story nationally. That's actually kind of trumped even Mahomes and Brady because everybody's going full go on that the next week. We'll talk a little bit about the Super Bowl, though, ahead of the matchup and maybe even a prop bet or two early. How about it? Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690 live at Urban Myers Pint House. Outside of Columbus, Ohio, in Dublin. We'll be right back on ESPN 690. Austin Lane. And I'm going to regurgitate it to you. I'm like a mother bird right now, and I'm spewing it in your mouth. Brent Martineau. You got doves flying and mother birds I'm, all week. I'm, I mean. I'm trying to baby bird you right now, man. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, this is why I tease stuff and don't get to it. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. With a quarterback like that, man, who loves to escape the pocket, you got to have great edge rushers. On both on the, on the outside, you got to keep them in the well. You got to get after them. You can't let them have all day to sit back and throw. Because once you do, he got so many weapons out there in the, in, the, um, in the skill positions to make plays. There's no way once you get out of the pocket that a defensive back or anybody can hold them guys over four or five seconds, and that's what makes them so good. Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Urban Meyer's Pint House on Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. Celebrating 500 shows today, and we're doing it on the road in Columbus, Ohio, or just outside in Dublin, Ohio. Brent Martineau, Stuart Weber right here with me, of course, for TV and radio, CBS 47 and Fox 30. Austin Lane Coos back in the Action Sports Jack studios. And uh, pretty cool as we head into year three, 500 shows, and uh, 501 will start next week from some other place. We'll tell you where. Uh, coming up uh, on Monday. It just depends. We don't want to tease where we're going to be because we're not sure if we'll actually be there. So we, uh, we got to wait a little bit on that uh, front. And normally now, we go to the Super Bowl next week. Well, we're not going to the Super Bowl. It's in Tampa. It's right across the way. It's easy. But because of the pandemic and the way the Super Bowl is going to be done, I think there's going to be a lack of radio row, even though there might be a radio row. It's not going to be much. Uh I just think there's not going to be that much of a buzz from the standpoint we normally go in terms of gathering for TV and radio and doing all the interviews. In fact, we've got a bunch of interviews lined up next week uh, through ESPN that will make it feel like we're on Radio Row, uh, but they'll call in instead. So it's just a different beast this year at the Super Bowl. And instead of uh, going to Tampa, we decided to make this trek, Trevor Lawrence's hometown, 
get to Urban Meyer's hometown. Obviously, we're in Buckeye land right now. We'll hit up uh, Clemson as well on the way home. So a bit of a seven, eight, nine-day trip uh, from Jacksonville and beyond, and it's been uh, fun so far. Uh, leads up, by the way, not only on the radio side here on Action Sports Shacks on ESPN 690, but we'll have a one-hour special on TV on the eve of the Super Bowl on CBS 47 and Fox 30 on Saturday night at um, 7 o'clock. Speaking of the Super Bowl, haven't talked much about it this week. Obviously, that will go full throttle next week, Austin. Uh, is there is there even a storyline right now? kind of a hidden storyline about this Super Bowl. I, I would actually suspect I saw something today that, that now we have to keep our eye on. If a player tests positive for COVID-19 from here on out, and you've heard the updates today, they're going to test, I think, multiple times a day. If a player tests positive, they won't be eligible to play in Super Bowl 55. Oh, yeah? I mean, that is something to watch. And is that what they're on. saying? Is, <laughs> you don't believe is that it. the word? No. Listen, if Patrick Mahomes or Tom Brady gets COVID-19, no, we, we aren't going to see Chad Henney or Blaine Gabbert. There's going to be other ways around it. Mark my words. Like there, There's no way they're going to risk ratings, um, a competitive game, because Patrick or Tom came down with COVID-19. Yeah, I, I tend to agree with you. Uh, I guess some of this is window dressing in that regard. But then you think back to the World Series, and they took Justin Turner out of the game in the seventh inning of, you know, in game six. Yeah. The Dodgers, that was a bad but, look from an optics standpoint for Major League Baseball, that whole thing, you know. Uh, does the NFL want to avoid that? Well, listen, we've went through an entire NFL season, and every Sunday we saw Adam Schefter report up. Oh, there's no positive COVID tests on, 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 uh, on Sunday, but there were some on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, sometimes on Friday, and the occasional Saturday. But I can't remember one time where a player came down with COVID-19 on Sunday. Now, is that a coincidence or not? It very well might be. But I'm just saying, if they have to delay the Super Bowl, if they have to tell the weekend, hey, man, we know you're in town for this week, but guess what? Go ahead and book your room for an extended period of time because Patrick or because Tom had COVID-19, so get your butt back to the hotel, they're going to do that. But there's no way you're not going to see a Patrick Mahomes-Tom Brady matchup. Well, I think yeah, that's an interesting point, right? Because what could happen, let's just say, let's just say that Patrick Mahomes test positive for COVID-19. All of a sudden, I think Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs will be like, yeah, we got 40 guys that got it. <laughs> oh no! You know, let's, I mean, we got four guys. Let's. And we can't play for another week and a half. Let's not get it <laughs> twisted. If I'm Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes comes down with COVID-19, I'm giving pa- Patrick Mahomes like some kind of soda or, or some kind of like that with a straw, and I'm passing that straw, and everyone's gonna take a sip. It, 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 it's gonna be a, a community soda, if you will, and every one of those, those Kansas City Chiefs are taking a sip from that soda, and then I'm gonna report that. Oh man, ah, oh, rough luck. Patrick Mahomes came down with COVID-19. Oh, and what's this? We also have 50 other guys that have COVID-19. So, unfortunately, we got to wait until a couple weeks, guys. Please reschedule. Yeah, hopefully none of that will happen. Uh, try to avoid that uh, along the way. And the NFL is on the verge of finishing their season. We said this about every sport in the in the midst of the pandemic. If you start the season, you're going to finish. You know, the, the, the pot of gold is in the finish. And that's where money comes into play. And everybody is finishing. This will end the cycle of... Everything. The only thing that didn't happen, but that's because it didn't start, is March Madness. That's about it. 
Everybody else who got started ended up finishing their seasons well, um, to get to a champion. No, that's uh, that's actually a really good call because I was going to say the Olympics, but obviously the Olympics didn't start yet. So well, that's good. Yeah, it's, again, yeah, anything that did start, they yeah. they got ahead of it. And now we'll, we'll see um, with the Olympics, um, of course, as well. Uh, real quick thought on the Brady Mahomes because that's right now the biggest story. Do you buy the talk of? Mahomes, if he ever wants to be considered the, the greatest of all time, and he's trending toward a, you know this crazy place early in his career that even Tom Brady wasn't trending toward from a statistical standpoint. But if you look some 15 years down the road, and we get to the point where uh, Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Chiefs and everybody else have won you know five or six Super Bowls, and the, the statistics are unreal for Patrick Mahomes, and he's as great as he is now for the next decade and more, does this game matter in that sense, does he have to beat Brady? No. Does he have to finish three and two uh, to become the goat? Do you buy into that kind no, of conversation? No, 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 absolutely not. Like that's just that's storylines that people love to drum up and create the drama and all that stuff. Hey, Tom Brady got beat by Nick Foles, okay? And, and we don't say how bad of a quarterback Tom Brady is because he got beat by a guy who couldn't make it in Jacksonville and then was the backup to Mitchell Trubisky in Chicago. All right. Like we don't fault Tom Brady for that. So I'm not going to fault Patrick Mahomes and take it away from Patrick Mahomes. If he loses to Tom Brady, that's the game of the NFL and it takes more than one guy to win. I got some uh, prop bets. Did you see the guy that already bet $2.3 million on, uh, on uh, the bucks? I think it is plus three and a half. Whew. 2.3 mil. Hey, let's go ahead and see how the, how the COVID-19 turns out first before you lay that big tooth. I mean, that, that's ridiculous, man. That's uh, that's reckless. But you know what? If you put that much money down, I'm sure you're not probably worried about it either. Well, maybe he had a lot on GameStop over the last week. Who now knows? we're talking. You know? <laughs> he turned it around. Man, I wish. Uh, here you go. How about the tailgate show? I didn't know there was a thing, but there's a tailgate show. This is hard hitting. And the, and the, the Vegas bets. Will Miley Cyrus's navel be seen? She's singing the national anthem? No, she's not. She's just performing on the tailgate the show. The tailgate show. Apparently, we don't know who's singing the national anthem yet. Hmm. National anthem? It's, um... Coos has the... the no, the, the Blake an- Shelton's do a part of it. It's not... Bla- it's Blake Shelton? And someone else. No. Listen. Gwen Stefani? No. Hey, Coos, I got... Uh, the national anthem prop bets says who will sing the national anthem. A female, a male, or a group? How can we already know who's singing it? That's the... Prop bet. It better not be. I'll be disappointed if it's Blake Shelton. Mr. Stuff Crust Pizza, get me out of here. Um, Miley Cyrus shows her navel. I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's warm in Tampa Bay. Is the tailgate show outside? Uh, I would assume it's Tampa, yeah. Yeah, I, bet, I would bet, I'd are, bet yes. What do you got, Coos? It's Jasmine Sullivan and Blake Shelton. It's right here. There you go, Brent. Jasmine Sullivan <laughs> and Blake Shelton. Did that just get announced, Coos? Two days ago, apparently. What kind uh, of well, website are you on? Uh, well, this email, this email I got might have been from like just before the announcement. Hey, this <laughs> this is last year's Super Bowl prop email, I guess. <laughs> no, it's not. It's from I got this at Thursday at eleven thirty. Was that announced after Thursday at eleven thirty, Coos? I don't know. There's one that says 21 <laughs> hours ago, so maybe. Yeah, maybe. All right. Uh, all right. Let's move on from the national anthem. Anthem. Let's get back to Miley Cyrus's navel. Apparently, yes or no. <laughs> um. Well, I think she shows her navel. Uh. Yeah. Why not? It's a Super Bowl. It's not like you're at the Grammys. You can you can get a little crazy. It's Tampa Bay. You been to Tampa Bay? You been to Ebor? Okay then. Yeah, show show uh, some navel. Uh, Dale Mabry. Uh, okay. Total points in the game. Odd number or even number? 
Uh, I always like a good even number when it comes to to games. All right. Uh, largest lead by either team. Over 16 and a half or under 16 Oof, and Over 16 and a half? Yeah. Got to go under with that, man, all day. I mean, I assume that the, the underdog right now would be the over, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, the over is... Actually, the over, man, is a favorite. Minus 130. Under is plus 100. How about that? Okay, well, I'm 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 gonna transfer some funds over right now. Keep on talking, please. Yeah, that I'm gonna make a lot get of out sense. some of that dog doggy. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna sell some of that doggy coin real quick and uh, gotta put some money down some prop bets. I and guess that will show you, by the way, how much people believe in Kansas City in that sense. Sure. My guess is people believe Kansas City could win by 17 or more uh, in this game, and and they're putting some uh, dollars on that. Uh, will the Chiefs score on their first drive? How good will that script be? Ooh. Well, you know how I feel about Andy Reid. He's what? I mean, I feel like he's like 13 and 2 now, I think, after the bye. Um, yeah. nothing I'll beats be a good nothing beats a good Andy Reid script, let me tell you. I mean, in terms of script writing, it's it's Andy Reid. It's the guy that wrote uh Goodwill Hunting. Like they're right up the like best <laughs> scripts ever. So give me Andy Reid scoring a touchdown on the opening drive. By the way, who, who wrote Goodwill Hunting yet? Who wrote Goodwill Hunting? I looked that up. Coos. I thought Affleck I and, and uh, oh, did I? I thought he wrote it. Really? I yeah, I think you are right. Hang on. Uh, just keep talking, and I'll, I'll I'll figure that out. By the way, we <laughs> could do we could do like a specialty show on Super Bowl props. There's so many of them. This email is never ending. Yeah, Ben Affleck and Matt Damon wrote Goodwill Hunting. Very impressive. Coos, did, did you want to go half season on a movie with me? Want to write one with me? Sure. What, uh, is it about the uh, house? Uh, what is it? Softballs a, a cult? Uh, well, we can go to the, the softballs a cult thing, <laughs> but I was thinking more topical. You know, there's okay. a, there's only a small softball audience. That's for the hardcore softball fans. We got to think of something more on a broader term. Don't worry, we'll be doing plenty of Creekside High School softball and baseball live remotes uh, over the next four years. So a lot of footage there. Softball fans. There's a lot of no footage there. Then it. for me, I like that. Uh, all right, I'm gonna I'm gonna end with this, okay? I tell you, there are so many of them. I'm I'm dizzy on it. But this will, this is gonna go first to Coos, all right? Coos, understand this. This is with the NBA, um, and you gotta what? make the decision now. Oh boy! This is a cross sport prop. Which will be higher, Tom Brady pass completions, okay, or the Knicks total first quarter points against the Heat? Oh, they play each other that night. Yeah. Ooh. The Knicks are pretty decent this year. First quarter. Uh, so I would be willing to bet it's probably somewhere between 20 and 30 for, for them. Do uh, we... Yeah, that's so do you think more, say they score 28, you think uh, Tom Brady has more completions than 28? I Yeah, I guess so. I can go with that. All right, so you're going Brady. All right, Austin, last one, one for you. What was the question? Which, <laughs> yeah, but don't worry, you don't have to answer that one. Okay, you got to answer this one. good. Which will be higher, Tom Brady total time sacked or UFC fight night total first round stoppages? Oh, wow. Um, what, okay, is there a favorite underdog right now? Uh, UFC fight night don't, total first don't tell round me. stoppages. D- don't tell me, but is, is it pretty much of a drastic difference? It's not that big a difference. Okay, so check this out. I'm going UFC fight night all, uh, all day because they're going to fight in a smaller cage because they're going to fight at the Apex Center. And the Apex Center is known for having a smaller cage. Smaller cage means they're going to engage a little more. Engagement means knockouts. And Tom Brady, he gets the ball out fast. I'm taking that UFC prop all day.
Wow, from Columbus, Ohio to Jacksonville, Florida, do you get that quick of analysis on UFC Fight Night next week going head-to-head with the Super Bowl? No, is the answer. You don't. That's Austin Lane, everybody. What's up? Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690. That's why we've made it to show 500. Yeah. Eh, stuff like that. When we come back, we continue from Urban Meyer's Pint House in Dublin, Ohio. We'll have a conversation coming up in the 5 o'clock hour with Brian Billick. Super Bowl winning coach of the Baltimore Ravens. That's on the way. More football talk as well when we come back from just outside of Columbus, Ohio on ESPN 690. It is not Tom versus Todd. It's Brady versus Bill. That is what is at stake. Brady has put the Brady versus Bill conversation to rest. That's done. It could be rekindled, but it's done. That is not to diminish Belichick. I continue to believe that Belichick is the best coach in the history of pro football. But what can never again be said is that Brady is in any way diminished at any of the credit that he receives for the Patriots' success is in any way diminished by the greatness of his coach and the suggestion that it's about the system. It's Brady. He has now put that to rest. That is Mike Greenberg from ESPN. You can listen to him on ESPN 690, of course, Monday through Friday during the day. Brent Martineau here in Columbus, Ohio, really Dublin, Ohio. Urban Meyer's Pint House, Austin Lane, back in the Action Sports Jack studios. And, A few observations here. I don't know if you saw the news, but the uh, great John Chaney, former basketball coach, has died at the age of 89 years old. Uh, Legendary hoop coach, obviously, for the Temple Owls. I did not know this, man. He's from, he was born in Jacksonville. I've been in Jacksonville for 13 years. I've never heard that. Yeah, I had no idea. Or unless I just didn't listen. Right. But I never heard that. So, uh, born in Jacksonville, went to Bethune-Cookman. Um, and uh, 89 years old, uh, John Chaney, uh, you know, talk about a tough coach, huh? Hard-nosed guy. And remember the Calipari mix-up? Or are you too young to remember that? Have you ever seen, like, the video of that? I when feel Calipari like Calipari got into it with Chaney? Yeah, I don't remember that. Yeah. Um, go back and, and Google that one. YouTube that one. That was pretty uh, – you don't see that very often. Uh, at, when um, Chaney, obviously, at Temple and Calipari was at UMass. So uh, a lot of reaction from the college basketball world, though. John Chaney has passed away at the age of uh, 89. A couple other notes here. i, I got to tell you this. Now, we're at Urban Meyer's Pint House in Columbus, uh, or in Dublin, just outside of Columbus. We've been making our way up north. And so started in Jacksonville to Cartersville, Georgia, just out, outside of Atlanta. We stopped in Knoxville for a night. We stopped in Lexington, Kentucky for just like, well, an hour. <laughs> then we went to Cincinnati, Ohio, and now we're in Columbus. And as you're making your way up north, the pandemic is treated differently, okay? As we know, in Florida, eh, it's uh, sometimes doesn't always feel like it exists. Yeah. <laughs> Here in Columbus, and like even in Knoxville, Tennessee. So I'll give you a story. By the way, who's, who's Knox County? Mayor? The mayor is who? Austin Lane. Oh, that's uh, Kane. Kane. Yeah. Yes. Who's, well, he ain't, he ain't who's the Undertaker's around. brother, by the way? In case you didn't know. Didn't know that part, but he's, he's not really. Uh, in fact, uh, Weber had to tell me about Kane and being the mayor of Knox County. You better do some research. But they issue citations if you're out after 10 o'clock in Knoxville, and so we were there later at night. We're doing our TV stuff, and hey, Stuart, let's go grab a drink somewhere. It's a college town, right? No, it's not. The place was 
just silent, quiet. It was a ghost town after 10 o'clock at night because they'll uh, issue citations. Well, here in Columbus last night, we're again, it's late, it's cold, but it's a Thursday night, and we're like around the campus of Ohio State, and nobody, nothing. Can't, can't see it. Just There's nobody out and about. Mm. I mean, uh, and I'm not saying, by the way, good or bad. I'm just telling you it's different. In fact, they just uh, loosened up, I think, the curfew a bit here in the in the state of Ohio. Went from 10 a.m. I'm sorry, 10 p.m. to 5 a.m. Now it's 11 to 5. I think it is, uh, if I have that right. So just totally different in terms of the pandemic and and how it's um, treated as we we continue to head up north, uh, and uh, everybody continues to deal with COVID-19 and the rest of it. So um, just thought that was kind of interesting along our way uh, at the different parts of the country that uh, are doing some different things to combat COVID-19. One other note, we're here at uh, Urban Meyer's Pint House, and it's amazing the crowd we have here on a Friday afternoon. I don't think they're here for us. I'm just saying they, they happen to walk in, and we're here. It is but Friday, Brent. It, it is Friday. But, again, I wasn't sure if there'd be this kind of crowd. We were at a, a, the Holy Grail yesterday in Cincinnati, and it was kind of quiet. Mm-hmm. It was pretty quiet the whole time. So here at Urban Meyer's Pint House, uh, this place is rocking. And, uh, again, it's still just late afternoon, so we're not even into the evening hours yet. We do have a little bit of taste of home and um, Columbus as the Players' Championship ad just ran on the Golf Channel up on the TV. So that's around the corner. And one more note, we drove by a couple of Donato's Pizzas as well because that started in Columbus, and now we have one at Jack's Beach. So that's it, just trying to make some connections along the way to uh, Columbus and Jacksonville. Nice, man. I mean, yeah. Aren't you intrigued? You're fired up about it. I'm, I, I'm so pumped up. I mean, players right around the corner. I'm more pumped up this weekend. We got the Royal Rumble, and I was talking about the players. Well, that's when the, the whole announcement went down that we announced that WrestleMania was going to be canceled. And I'm not sure how Columbus gets down in terms of wrestling fandom, but I know I was pretty crazy, and I'm sure Columbus, the Midwest, they like their wrestling as well. So I'm sure there's a lot of fans right now in that bar that are excited for the Royal Rumble. In my opinion, the, it's probably the greatest pay-per-view in the WWE arsenal. Uh, do you, is there going to be a WrestleMania this year? Oh, yeah. It's in Tampa Bay. It is. Yeah. Everything's in Tampa. And, and there's going to be a, uh, there's going to be a limited crowd there as well. I think we should just bring Tom Brady to Jacksonville and just parade him around because all these things, wherever Tom Brady goes, it's like the mecca of the, the world. I, I mean, WrestleMania is pretty big, too, with all due respect to Tom Brady. Um, but yeah, I feel like Tom Brady's got a following wherever he goes. And then now he's got the, like, listen, it goes to show you just how respected you are when you leave the New England Patriots and they're still cheering for you to win another Super Bowl. Yeah, and that, that exists. Of that, course. That, yeah, that does exist. There's, of course. But I've already told Patriots fans, I've told everybody back home, you don't get credit for this one. Tom Brady, he's a buck. He's a Tampa Bay buck. He's not mm. a Patriot. This doesn't go on the Patriots watch. They've had enough winning in New England. You know, you cannot take credit for Tom Brady winning the Super Bowl if he wins the Super Bowl. It just can't happen. Let a fan base just be happy for a player, please, no, Brent. That's no, what we need, that man. That, that fan base has been happy enough. I got you. I got you there. Listen, I'm from there, and that fan base has been happy enough. <laughs> well, it's time to suffer if you're a Patriots fan a little bit. Just like the Houston Texans. <laughs> That's happening. Brian Billick on Urban Meyer and Trevor Lawrence when we come back. Action Sports Jacks on ESPN 690.